six. Uh, it does a lot of things. It's slightly analgesic, so if you've got a headache, it's a good idea, not a bad idea, to have sex. You can be so stressed that it shuts sex down, or you can be so engrossed in sex and just shut the door on the stressful world outside and have a moment that your brain gets a lovely little holiday from all of that stress that's going on out there. Hey Tanya, how's it going? Hey Deb, really good. It's a public holiday today and we're talking about stress. How ironic. Oh, you know, (laughs) I think that sometimes holiday periods can be stressful because there's like pressure to relax and enjoy yourself, which I'm like, well, that's the ultimate paradox. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It totally is. I must relax. I must enjoy my time off. It can be very, very stressful. But I'm really excited for today's topic because I think that stress is something that living in a big city, it's like completely unavoidable. Everything's happening so quickly. There's so much going on. So it's really going to affect us and affect our bodies and our minds. A hundred percent. I don't think I know anybody that um, doesn't mention stress at least once or twice in their day, probably a lot more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I am a signature stress head at the the best of times. So, yeah, just going straight into it, um, just also wheeling back a little bit at the same time to Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. Uh, She talks about the accelerator and the break in our brains when it comes to arousal and desire. Could you explain a little bit how this works? Uh, yes, I can. I love Emily's work. She's brilliant. So if anyone uh, is listening and interested in this, you can Google her and she's got some amazing TED Talks. And she's also got a fabulous book called Come As You Are, which talks all about desire and arousal and bodies and how they work. And she's a brilliant, brilliant author. Um, and she really wonderfully explains the different impacts on our willingness to have sex the desire and the things that may inhibit our arousal right so and she explains that our nervous system is essentially made up of pairs of accelerators and brakes i kind of like that so oh yeah we've got all these areas that it's like on off on off for example your parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest versus your sympathetic nervous system fight or flight Mm. right so we've got Lots and lots of things going on all the time. And it's no different when it comes to sex. We have a sexual excitement system where our nervous system receives information about sexually relevant stimuli and it sends signals from the brain to the genitals to tell them to turn on. Right, So it's always at work. This is what I find interesting. Far below the level of consciousness, we are monitoring things, looking out for the things that we find sexually exciting. So, yep, we may not be aware until we actually find ourselves turned on. And then the other side of that, we have a sexual inhibition system, the SIS. We've got an SES and an SIS. Where, which is the break or the inhibition side. Uh, that's the neurological off signals. And interestingly, there's two kinds of breaks. Uh, the first one notices potential threats in the environment. So it's external and it, it will send a signal if there's a risk of something like maybe getting an STI or uh, a pregnancy or some sort of social consequence. So it's scanning for safety. Yeah. And the second break's a little bit different. It's uh, The first one's like a foot break. Uh, it's linked into sort of fear of performance consequences, internal. The second break's like a, a handbrake. It's associated with fear of performance failure, right? So worrying about not having an orgasm or not getting an erection or keeping an erection. So if you imagine the external factors can cause you to stand on the brake and stop everything, like, oh, my God, I might get pregnant. No. Uh, But the internal factors, they're like leaving the handbrake on. They're nagging fears and doubts. So if you drive, you can drive a car with a handbrake on, but it's probably not going to be optimal or very enjoyable. 
Yeah, I think that <laughs> just like the sensitive like layers of balance within the body is something that I really love, like within um, just that comparison of having both the handbrakes and then the actual brakes, because there are so many yeah moments, I think, in sex where people can be uncertain and like knowing that that uncertainty is normal and it's like your body's programmed to sometimes yeah. be that way can be quite relieving, I think, for some folk. It can be. Sometimes the things that we're doing might make us want to slow down one for good reasons. Like yeah. Sewing down can be an accelerator for some, so don't get me wrong, sewing down's not bad no, all the time. True. <laughs> but sewing down can also be like, oh, do I want to do this? Is this mm. okay? Like we can check in with ourselves. And that's where we might be having these internal systems sort of going, oh, okay, what are the consequences here? Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Uh, those sorts of things. So what are some contexts that might activate accelerators or brakes when it comes to sex? Um, okay, well, accelerators can be as simple as a visual cue, you know, pretty humans walking past or someone that you're relating to just says something really amazing and you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, for some folks, music will start a party in their pants, right? It, um, it can do that. For others, it can be really specific. For example, a sapiosexual person might be really turned on watching somebody speaking about a topic of interest or using great language, intellectual language, mm-hmm. or even just the deep dive of getting to know someone better can really turn them on. There are as many types of accelerators as there are humans, really. So that's uh, that's a lot, and it's not. So it doesn't mean I can say, "Oh, Deb, you're one of those." So this is going to turn you on, and that there, there might be surprising things. I think the diversity in like the difference of like accelerators and breaks of people is like it can be viewed as an exciting thing as well, just because everyone yeah. then can have such like different experiences with each other. Just one moment, like what is a sapiosexual exactly? Oh, a sapiosexual. This so this is an interesting way because a lot of people uh, use this on dating sites and it can be a little bit elitist. Okay. A sapiosexual is a person who is turned on by intelligence. Right. So a lot of people use that as a good cue to be like a grammar Nazi, not so good. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> but really it's literally somebody who gets excited at seeing somebody else's smarts. Right. Or, um, you know, I, I, I think I sent a, lect- a message to a friend of mine the other day because I was attending a, a lecture on writing gender and I was very excited about all the academic language and I was like... And I am truly a sapiosexual. Yeah, like, sometimes a bit of oh, jargon, you know. Oh, I was the like, right there's jargon. a party in my pants right now while I'm <laughs> listening to this lecture. It's so good. Yeah. And it does. It was invigorating listening to people in their flow talking mm. about their area of expertise. I think just seeing people that you care about really passionate can be, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a real turn would love that? Yeah, seeing someone in their flow. Imagine if that's your partner out mm. in the world being absolutely fabulous. It's yeah. hot seeing people do that kind of stuff. I think it's cool to care. And that's something that I've never understood, like nonchalance and like being just so like indifferent or something. No, show me your passion. Yes. Talk some jargon. Even just make up some words. I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> so did the word sapiosexual grind your gears there, Dave? Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Perchance it did. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Yeah. And coming back, so inhibitors, not as much fun. These are the things that we, we were talking about earlier, like maybe a fear of getting pregnant or um, sex being against your family or community's beliefs, perhaps. Uh, so pretty much the consequences, what of having sex, what could happen if you do? So that's a break for many people. And interestingly, with this one, I find many people take messages they were given when they were growing up about sex being dirty Mm -hmm. and shameful into their adult lives. And these really do act as breaks and inhibitors, and they're underground. So even if their common sense tells them otherwise about sex and their ideas, 
people can have a real unease when it comes to being sexy. And then the flip side of that, I think, uh, is today there's more fear than ever around performance because there's so much information out there about what you can do and how you can do it. So people worry that they, they won't get it up, they won't keep it up, they won't have an orgasm, they can't please their partner. And worse, their partner might say, they weren't a very good lay and tell their social circle about it, right? Or their supposed lack of Which that is not what a partner should do, would not be calling them a partner uh, anymore. Yeah. And so that's a really powerful break for a lot of people. A lot of like fear about being shamed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, that sort of plethora of sexual information and imagery around, it can be really, really easy to breathe in messages around sex that don't serve us and probably will start to act as like a handbrake for us, you know. Mm. Things like only a certain type of appearance is, or, or a body type is sexy or you have to do these kinds of things in order to be sexual. Like we're, there's a lot written at the moment about uh, young folks and choking becoming a normal part of sex. Uh, yeah. I'm like, really? That is not a normal part of sex, but it is a normal part of a lot of the free-to-wear porn that we see. So, yeah. The, you know, and people being expected to know what they can and can't do in the bedroom or elsewhere. It's a lot of pressure. And for some folks, that break is so strong, they'd rather forego sex than feel like they may have gotten it, in inverted commas, wrong. Right? I think, yeah, it's stressful to think about stress in sex just because there's <laughs> so, like a plethora of ways that and reasons why you might be stressed. And I definitely see porn as like a, an origin of stress for a lot of people, especially with body image and just like expectations oh. for gender and performance on both sides. And I guess it's just something where it's like, you know, we've got to remember that it's a performance and like, I feel like it's entertainment. Yeah. You know? and, but you know, People do compare themselves to people they see on TV. It's really movies, hard. So they it's do it with it's just like models as well in like the fashion yeah. industry. So it's if if it's all we're seeing, then it's really hard to kind of separate. But I think that's why, you know, communication is so important with your partner. And if you do really feel insecure and stressed, then you need to tell them because then they can offer reassurance. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. be like so suffering and in silence. And this is what I always say to people. I have a poster in my office that says all bodies are capable of pleasure and deserve the pleasure they're capable of. Right? So all bodies. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what shape or size you are, what colour your skin is, what gender you're is, how your genitals work. You are okay and totally able to experience pleasure and that's fine. Nobody's going to tell you how to do that. I feel like that's that's the point almost of having a body is just to experience it. So yes. it's very important that you don't let others, like, you know, tell you what you can and can't do, even though it's what happens all the time. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's the core of uh, oppression, oppression yeah. really, isn't yeah. it? Telling people their body's not okay in some way. Yep. So there's a lot of it about, unfortunately. <laughs> a, a lot to dismantle. Yeah. Um, so how does stress actually affect our sexual function on a hormonal level or psychological level? Okay. And this is this is a big question as well. Like, it, Stress really affects all the systems in the body, including like the muscle. Skeletal. So imagine, you know, you're holding, you're holding tension, uh, respiratory, your cardiovascular, endocrinal system, your gastrointestinal, your nervous system, your reproductive systems. Everything can be affected by stress. So it's so interesting to me to see how it goes into the body. Um, for folks with penises, the autonomic nervous system, that's also known as the fight or flight, you know, that produces uh, testosterone and it activates the sympathetic nervous system, which creates arousal. So you, you, that's your sort of um, 
fight or flight sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, stress can cause the body to release the hormone cortisol, right? That will happen when you've released a lot of adrenaline. So imagine that. We live in a world where people think that there's a saber-toothed tiger on every corner, really, with levels of anxiety and stress. Yeah, sometimes it does feel that way, though, yeah. with all of the corporations on every corner. Absolutely. And then so cortisol is released after a prolonged period of uh, adrenaline, uh, and it's important for your blood pressure regulation and for the normal functioning of several body systems like your cardiovascular, circulatory and male reproduction, right? So excess amounts of cortisol can affect their normal biochemical functioning. And what that can do also is can make one very tetchy, right? It's the kind of thing where you're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to driving home and seeing the wife and kids after work. And then they come in the door and yell at everyone and kick the dog, right? That's too much cortisol. Yeah. So you could really, uh, you've got to keep your eye on that because um, there's a lot of correlation with stress and uh, low sperm motility, right? So chronic stress or ongoing stress over an experience extended period of time can affect your testosterone production Uh, so that would be a decline in sex drive or libido it can even cause erectile dysfunction or impotence and when we were just mentioning sperm production research showed that people experiencing two or more stressful experiences in the past 12 months will produce sperm with lower motility that's hmm. super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't the fact know that, that. Yeah, the body and mind are so connected, it just, it always baffles me. Yeah, oh, totally. What's going on to us goes straight into the body. Very interesting. And and for women, and I'm using this term deliberately, they're often juggling personal, family, professional, financial, and a broad range of other demands across their lifespan. So stress and distraction and fatigue can all reduce sexual desire, especially when women are simultaneously caring for young children or older ill family members or coping with their own chronic medical problems, feeling depressed, experiencing relationship difficulties, possibly abuse, sometimes work problems. That can affect menstruation. It can make premenstrual symptoms harder to deal with, uh, affect ability to conceive, heighten the impacts of menopause, tons of things, right? So, wow. No, yeah, yeah, that list is kind of like, right. seems like it would be exhaustive, but like, yeah, there's just, there's so much, I guess... Stress really affects everything. Well, listen to all of those things. It's needless to say, really, isn't it, that many yeah. of those things are going to act as breaks for desire and arousal. Can stress actually lead to reduced pleasure or even erectile dysfunction or difficulty orgasm, uh, orgasming during sex? <laughs> yes. Yes, it can. It can definitely impact performance. It can prevent erections. It can affect ejaculation. In fact, stress makes folks with penises come faster and those with vulvas take longer. Just so you know. Mm. Yeah, it's not a very good design system there, is it? No. So imagine it's kind of like opposite. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it also really, it makes you not fully present and in your body. So it can send you so many distracting thoughts and the the symptoms of anxiety. Those things aren't really very sexy, are they? No, it's, yeah, it's sort of the opposite of of what you want to be feeling. And people mostly talk about sex decreasing uh, stress, uh, decreasing your sex drive, sorry, but some people experience a heightened sex drive when stressed and how common actually is this um it's re- it's reasonably common i think most people stress will flatline their libido and it interferes with their accelerators uh, and probably will be a break but for some some people have a high sexual excitement scale so that could put them into seeking sex or sexual behaviors 
Uh, I work with um, Sandra Patot's models of different libido types and she has one type she's identified called a dependent libido type and they actually need stress for uh, sex for validation and to cope with stress. Mm. So some folks will, if they're having a bad day, sex is pretty much the thing that's going to sort them out. Right. Imagine though if you're both stressed and your partner is not really into that, that can cause a little bit of friction. Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of bit perhaps you know yeah Yeah. um and emily nagowski she said about 10 to 20 percent of people report an increase in their sexual interest when they're anxious or depressed Uh, and she differentiated men saying it's likely for men to be the brakes and for women it's likely to be an accelerator i'm really curious about this in terms of uh, gender and how men, women and other folks are socialised or whether this is specific to penises and vulvas. I suspect it's the socialising, um, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I would think so too. So it's like for uh, people with penises, it's uh, their breaks become more sensitive or... That's, yeah, yeah. that's that's her uh, what her theory. And I'm like, well, okay, that's really Fast interesting. Faster, yeah. But uh, also the coming faster thing when people mm. are anxious. So there might be something to do with how they're wired and and how the body is functioning as well. So can having sex or masturbating help reduce stress? Yes, yes it can. Um, sex uh, it does a lot of things. It's slightly analgesic. So if you've got a headache, it's a good idea, not a bad idea to have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can never say not tonight I have a headache. It's not gonna work. <laughs> that excuse is wiped from the books. It's wiped. Uh, it also releases endorphins, right? And endorphins are the feel-good chemicals into your body. So you can have a physical release. It Sex sort of tends to create a tension and then release it when, when the body orgasms. So it could be a, a good opportunity to be really present and in your body uh, and have a release. But also when you're present and in your body in the moment, it can give you a holiday from those stressful thoughts and feelings. It's really funny how it can go either way. It could You could be so stressed that it shuts sex down or you can be so engrossed in sex and just shut the door on the stressful world outside and have a moment that your brain gets a lovely little holiday from all of that stress that's going on out there. I think it's all just about context and, you know, whether we can uh, feel safe enough with the partner or partners yeah. to ensure that, you know, you can go on that holiday without, you know, it becoming a, a stressful holiday. Yeah, and some folk are really good at it. They're mm. like, this is what I need. This is going to really sort me out. And other folks are like, how could you have sex at a time like this? Yeah, right? I I think and the thing is everyone can change and be a certain type of like have a certain approach to it and then, you know, turn around and realise, well, now I'm actually more comfortable with this and I wasn't used to, which is really beautiful. So don't ever feel like you have to be locked in and being like, oh, I'm this type of person when it comes to stress and sex because, you know, it's all about what you want in the moment and you can always change your mind. So. I love that. It's true. And we're constantly changing and developing over life. So I think our accelerators and brakes will be changing as well. 100%. So how could someone find motivation to have sex or masturbate if that they if they're very stressed and they are looking for that release though. Okay. Well, sometimes instead of waiting to feel horny, you can make a decision to do sexual things, right? So if you want to masturbate for fun or if you want to give it a try and see if it reduces the stress, you can start and see what happens, right? Because often people will be able to arouse and have a lovely time. Uh, but when stress is involved, it could also be that your sexual inhibitors are triggered, uh, triggering breaks and arousal might be more difficult, right? So it's really something that could swing in either direction. 
again, depending on the types of accelerators or brakes that you have. So I would say have a crack and see, but don't be hard on yourself if it's really difficult to arouse. Again, we don't have to chase an orgasm. We could have a lovely, sensual, erotic time with ourselves without making it outcome focused. And how could we help to make ourselves feel sexy again if we're coming out of a stressful period? Uh, well, that's a good question too. Maybe setting aside some time for ourselves because we're always so busy, right? So Go busy. Got to do that, blah, yeah. blah. Always in a rush. Yeah. So a little bit of time, uh, a bit of a set, a breath and intention. So I am going to take five minutes and I'm going to intend to connect with my erotic energy rather than chasing an orgasm. I'm going to relax. I'm going to use my breath as an erotic pump. I'm going to slow myself down and speed myself up. And I can connect with my body via the senses, by a touch, smell, taste, sound, sight, all sorts of things. I think setting an intention is really important and it can make such a huge difference because if the intention is to alleviate stress by connecting with your body versus orgasming, those are like almost two completely different experiences. Yeah, one could be like I'm going to get on the autobahn and get there as fast as I can and the other one can be I'm going to go take the scenic route and I might not even get to a destination but gee, it will be lovely taking that drive. 100%. So if someone is stressed and it's affecting their sex life and they want to try and help their partner to understand, how might they go about doing that? Also a good question. And this comes back to always our core theme here, which is communication, right? So talk to your partner about feeling stressed and what might be causing it. And I know that many people might find this difficult because they can feel ashamed about being stressed or not feeling sexy. And the stress can have them so wound up that it's impossible to focus on anything but the source of the stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they also might be annoyed that their partner doesn't seem to understand their stress levels if their partner's trying to initiate sex or or wanting time with them. So see what you can do to address the stress. A a team approach is best if you can. Uh, Maintaining a healthy social support network, getting some regular physical exercise, just a walk to the end of the street and back every day can really help with stress. Um, getting an adequate amount of sleep. This stuff's not rocket science and it sounds so twee to be saying it, but it really, really works. So slow down, do less, delegate, self-care, look at your diet. It's That's important as well. Lots of processed food can increase stress levels. So try if you can to get some more fruit and vegetables in. And then conversations with your partner can include things like, well, look, these are the type of things that will reduce stress for me. Or you can be curious for them. Uh, what are the things that might be sexual accelerators for you? Uh, and if nothing gets you in the mood, that's okay. You know, ask yourself what kind of intimacy is possible. Right? Sometimes people withdraw and take everything off the table: no kissing, no hand holding, no hugging, mm-hmm. because they're afraid that it's going to lead to all of the sexual things. Yeah. But you know, I like to say you can get on a train and get off at Central or Redfern. You do not have to go all the way to the Blue Mountains. No, definitely can... do not have to go to the mountains. Yeah. Can you kiss? Can you spoon? Yeah. Can you cuddle? Can you do some sexual things, but not everything? And you might surprise yourself if you just experiment with different levels and different types of intimacy and the level of pleasure that they can give you. Because because there's not one way to be satisfied. You don't have to have an orgasm to be satisfied in life and you can't always expect that from your partner or yourself. So I think that it's really important to get comfortable with the idea that it's not like 
you know, I feel like just growing up, there were always these like discussions of like different bases or whatever, you know, like first base, <laughs> second base, third base, yeah. and always getting to fourth base is like the goal. But I'm like, oh my gosh, that is uh, basic and in the worst way possible. Cause like, yeah. what does that even mean? Like, it's, it's just spending time with your partner. That's it. That's, and that's exactly what matters. It. And it, having a hug can be really, really great for reducing stress. And if you take away the pressure of like, oh my God, you want me to be sexy and do all these things and I'm so stressed out right now. But if it's like, how about we just, you know, why don't we just get into bed and be naked and just have a cuddle? Yeah. You know, that can be so comforting and so intimate. And it's possibly something you wouldn't do with your best friend, right? So it keeps the two of you sound. Yeah. And there's also then the removal of pressure from performance. Yes. Because you're just spending time together. I always find it much more fun and pleasurable to focus on what is possible rather than what we're not doing and what the outcome should be. Right? Yeah. That's a lot of stress. So if someone's partner is stressed and it's affecting uh, the couple's spe- uh, or uh, partnership's sex life, yeah. how can we support a stressed partner? Um, also a very good question. Um, you can notice to your partner, hey, you seem stressed, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Is there anything that we can do as a team that might manage or reduce your stress levels? So some of the things we were just talking about. Um Let's be curious, what is possible for you? Rather than like, hey, why don't we try getting naked? Uh, That might be taken as very stressful from the person who is experiencing the stress. So how can we stay connected and intimate while you're experiencing stress? What would be great for you? And if people say, well, maybe you need to leave me alone. It's like, that's great. Is this, I, I can leave you alone, but is this something that we could do like a hug or take a shower together or a bath or something that's really gentle that we can team approach reducing some of that stress for you that might also be a little bit connective for us. So if uh, me and a partner are both stressed, but we have opposite responses in our sex drive, so one is heightened and one is lowered, this can be pretty tricky. How do we manage this? That one's hard, I think. It is tricky because I think it generally sits with the person with the lower libido uh, because we can't force people into having sex. That's not cool. Um, So again, that focusing on what is possible is a good start. Um, And I think so many people get stressed because they feel like sex is another thing to do. So if Mm. they're very stressed, they're like, this is the thing on the list and there's lots of stuff I've got to do. But what if we just focused on what feels okay today in this moment, right? Not not what was good yesterday, not what might be coming. And if nothing gets us in the mood, like I said, that's really okay. There's other things we can do too. Sometimes we might decide, with deciding being the operative word, to gift our partner some pleasure but not be in the mood to receive. Right? It could be that um, I would like to give you some touch or a massage or maybe I'd like to give you some oral sex or some passionate kissing, but I don't want to receive anything. That feels like too much for me. But again, this sits inside consent. So it's you that's deciding to do something rather than waiting to feel horny and excited. Right? It's a very normal and natural thing that people do, but you have to remember it's your decision. It's not something that your partner will dictate. I'm very clear on this. You're still in control despite not feeling at your peak or super sexy. Yeah, I think and just to watch out for, I guess, like patterns with that because if that's happening yeah. all the time, then that's something maybe yeah. to watch out for. But I think that, yeah, you can make decisions and as long as you feel sexy about it in terms of like comfortability, yeah. then that's important. It won't be something like, oh, okay, then let's get this over no. with. That is not a decision. That's, that's great. That's, yes, right. But if yeah. it's like, oh, babes, I'm really not feeling it, but you, know, I'd really like to do something yeah. lovely for you right now. Would you like a foot massage or would you like me to sort of grind on you a bit? I can do that for a bit. So we're going to know what our limitations are and 
make, that's a negotiation an yeah. yeah which is so which is so different than you know just relenting and saying okay Oof, no yeah. no acquiescing not nope. sexy <laughs> so at what point should someone consider seeing a doctor or therapist uh, a sex therapist or otherwise to help with these issues if they are perpetually stressed yeah well perpetual stress is not great you know it's going to come into your body so a doctor a checkup with a doctor is good to see what's happening with you physically. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, sometimes we experience shame or difficulty when it gets to talking about sex and our desire and our arousal. So a sex therapist can provide a safe space to have these conversations and help you explore this what is possible part. And they can also give you some context on why your libido might be affected by stress, which for a lot of folks is really useful because they think, what the hell is wrong with me? Then they haven't correlated the sex and the stress. Mm. So they people get stuck uh, if it's a prolonged period of not feeling up to sex then you might feel like it but then you're too scared to tell your partner because you don't know if you'll feel like it tomorrow and people they find it hard to restart after a break so going to see a sex therapist you can have great chats sometimes I've got lots of fun little games and homeworky things that can help people work out what is possible uh, and no pressure right so I think it's just a relief to have things normalized yeah I think that's the go. Yeah, and everyone, I think, at some point in their lives will experience this. So it's yes. really important to remember that if you are experiencing this, you are not alone. It's completely normal, and it's not going to always stay this way because life is all filled with fluctuations. Sex is filled with fluctuations, and so is desire. And, you know, it's it's going to be okay, and you can chat to people about it, and uh, they will understand you. It's really true, and I think what's important to remember is that for most people, arousability depends on as much context as the brain mechanism give you your accelerators and brakes but stress will have a big impact on that so factor it in right it does affect what's going on for you and it's really good to understand oh okay that would be stress good yeah and it's not you it's just you know the giant city around you that's absolutely bustling and expecting so much of you as well 